names. Perhaps the Latino Mosquito may be back joining us next week. For those of you who have been faithful sports rap listeners, you know who the Mosquito is. He'll be back, and I'm going to try to go out with a bang. We're going to try to get some big guests next week, Digger Phelps, some NBA guys. Try to make it happen next week. Uh, but if you want to get in touch, anything, I mean, Carmelo Anthony got a DUI this morning. Uh, we've got an All-American on our hockey team. Spartan football had a scrimmage, men's basketball, preseason poll out already. Anything you want to touch on, 517-432-3893. Our email address, wdbmsports at gmail. So, Jamal, you pumped for baseball, play-by-play, doing the color, the color guy? I am, man. It's nice nice to get out there again. You know, hopefully the weather holds up. You know, we can get out there, call a good one, and it's a big game this weekend, you know, so I'm real pumped. Michigan Series brought to you exclusively on Impact Radio, 88.9 FM on your local dial, but don't forget, www.impact89fm.org, streaming live, so those fans who won't be in the listening area but have an internet connection we are serving you as well. That'll be first pitch about 4.05. I know it's a little out of character, but, you know, we're just switch it up a little bit. Through, through the change, a little curveball. Uh, it's Michigan, Michigan State Baseball, big series. We'll be covering live play-by-play game two, and we'll be giving live updates during game one. So you'll hear our voices spontaneously throughout the first couple hours. The first game starts at 1.05. Second game, 4.05 p.m. Eastern time. Don't forget, you miss our show or anything on the Impact's Exposure Series, impact89fm.org, podcast logo, tons of podcasts for you to download. But yesterday, what are, Sundays, is it, is it nap day for you guys? Usually. Because I'll tell you, yesterday's spectacular nap day. It was like the deadliest catch marathon on TV. And if they want to call car racing a sport, they need to have deadliest catch a sport. It is incredible. It perhaps may be the best channel on television and the best show, aside from you know it's the usual sports. But I'm big fan of Deadliest Catch. You gotta get specific because I have no idea what you're talking about. Where they, they catch the crab, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a sport. That's you. <laughs> hey, if driving a car in circles is then okay. catching fish. Hey, bass, come They're on, bass, bass masters. masters. Come on. Guys screaming about, you know, never give up. Like, you're catching fish. If you're the drinking of water or, um, you know, the hall's going in, in the mouth, that, yeah, that's me. Um, struggling, heavily medicated tonight. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it to the hour of eight, and I'll tell you that. It's the fourth quarter for me, bro. I see the end. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can't believe it's, it's been not, two. It's been two years. It's hard not to trip up, man. When you, when you can see it, you know, almost done. It's just you get real lazy and stop yeah. going to class. Yeah, <laughs> GPA goes. Yikes! But uh, Spartan tidbits. Ryan Brown, men's golfer. He uh, won the Kepler Intercollegiate. His fourth win this season, uh, and you can expect Ryan Brown to be on the PGA Tour. After he graduates, you know, he'll qualify as such things that have to, uh, he has to undergo to be on the PGA Tour. But big ups to Ryan Brem. His parents own a golf course in Traverse City, I think. That's why he's so good. <laughs> and his sister, Natalie Brem, is on the women's team. So just a golfing family. Jeff Lurg, second team All American, our goaltender. Any surprises there? Is it what you expected? He's well deserving. If it wasn't for the North Dakota goalie, he'd be first team All American. And, uh, there's no reason why he can't be a first-team All-American next year in his senior year. Is he an NHL goalie, though? You know, I don't. I don't know. Um, there are some some short goaltenders in the NHL. You know, they got Fred Brathwaite, one of the few black goaltenders. He's about 
I don't know, 5'8". As you look at Jamal, like, <laughs> like Jamal's supposed to know. <laughs> right. I can name all five of them. For Do you have his jersey? <laughs> no, uh, Jerome and Gimler. That's my guy, though. That's my guy. There you go. Um, women's gymnastics. They came in third at the NCAA West Regional Pavel. I'm sure that's what you were expecting there, since you, we know you follow closely to the women's gymnastics. Of course. Um, but if you'd like to touch in on anything, 517-432-3893. Brigitte, you graduate, right? Mm-hmm. And what's the plans after that? Are you going to continue your career in broadcasting, or where, where are we headed? Uh, law school is where we're heading right now. But hopefully in the future, like we used to talk about, we'll be hosting the ESPN show big, one day. Big time over here. <laughs> big time Brigitte going to law school. Yeah. But our email address, anything on your mind, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Spartan football defense wins again, scrimmage number two. Um, a bit of a shakeup at linebacker. We see Greg Jones, Denson, and Eric Gordon. Can you talk about what that combination, I say speed, what that combination, young, but yet it seems they can be effective this, this spring and next fall. That's going to be one of, if not the fastest linebacking core in the Big Ten. Um, Jones and Gordon are athletic to begin with, and then you take into account that now they have a year under the system which allows them to actually play faster and make plays on the ball. Denson's been around long enough. He can step in and, you know, fill in. But Greg Jones and Eric Gordon on the, you know, the linebacker are going to move Greg to the middle. Gordon and Denson on the outside, that's going to be a terrifically fast linebacking core. And Jones is only a sophomore, but he is the uh, leader of this linebacking core. This is such a young core, and he's the leader. And before he's through with his career at Michigan State, he's going to be one of the greatest linebackers in Spartan history. Yeah, the upside with Greg Jones is is great, and he's just such a hard worker and is just a smart kid. Class act is Greg Jones. And what do you think is going to be the, the strength of the defense? Uh, arguably, it might be that D, that young but deep D-line. When you look at all, all that we lost, everyone goes, well, they lost OG, they lost G-Ball, they lost St. Deke, the only one left is Kershaw, what are they going to do? They got some studs to fill in those holes. I mean, Trevor Anderson is a, a junior. This is his first year at State because he had to sit out of here for transferring, but the kid can play. He's a big, I mean, he's six foot two, I believe. He can really move people. They got the freshman Tyler Hoover. They, get, they still have Kershaw. You know, they, they've got some pieces there. Antonio Jeremiah. And uh, Michael Jordan didn't work, at, work out at tight end. He's going to be on the D line, too, so that just helps him because he had a lot of reps later in the year at the D-line. So Michael Jordan's going to help him out. Tyler Hoover, Michael Jordan, you can just sub him out, in and out, give him breathers. So D-line, the, the stronghold of the defense next year. And, and I, I look for, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but I look for a very impressive Justin Kershaw next season. Yep. I mean, he was kind of, he didn't make his appearance on the stat sheet as much as people would like him to have, but he's bigger, stronger, he's athletic, and he, now there's a man of great character, Justin Kershaw. He's always been a class act. Every interview we've done, and uh, he, he's got his head on straight. I look for him to make an impressive showing his senior year. Yep, yep. Like you said, we'll get there. But I, I think it's uh, it's Greg Jones and the Greg Jones in the linebacking core. As, as much as I do like that D line, and like you said, they're young, and you can sub them in and out. The way that this linebacking core is capable of making plays. I mean, against the best the best team that Michigan State played all year was Ohio State, in my opinion. Greg Jones yep. set a career high. He had 12 tackles. He was all over the field. And I just think, and Eric Gordon is no slouch either. The kid, he can play just you know, just as well. So I think that linebacking core is going to be really good and it's going to be the, the strength of this team next year. Our number, 517-432-3893. Our email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Brigitte, 
What's going to be the strong point of that defense? Who are you looking to to make plays next year? Otis Wiley, linebackers? Uh, I'm probably looking for Otis Wiley. We've been lacking at a strong like safety position ever since Eric Smith left, in my opinion. I really liked him. Um, I think that's where we struggled a little bit last year. We got beat deep, didn't have a lot of defense help, but I'd look to the strong safety, free safety positions to impact the team next Look at year. Brigitte kicking the knowledge. Eric Smith. Nice. He was my favorite. New, New York Jets. 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 Wasn't he the first picked in the first Spartan picked in that draft yeah, that saw yes. Domato yep, Pecco go to Cincinnati? Cincy, yep. Yeah. Yep. That was a yeah, they had some Jeff Smoker went later to St. Mm-hmm. Louis and who else went? Cliff was that the Clifton Ryan year? Or was that no, Jeff sure? Smoker didn't go that Just year. Just before. Geez, jumping ahead. Yeah. Clifton Ryan, David David, David Heron Jr. Yep. Okay, there we go. How about the circumstance at number two quarterback, I see Nick Foles slowly. The coaches, I don't know if they want to go out and say it. I see Nick Foles slowly establishing himself as number two. I think last year, I know a lot of people inside the circle who really knew about Foles were wondering if Hoyer slips up, is Foles going to get a chance? But, you know, Coach D didn't want to burn the red shirt. He let the kid red shirt, get stronger, get mentally ready for the college game. This year, I have no problem saying. If Hoyer fails in, to do his job, you know, he is the starting quarterback. This is Hoyer's team. But if he slips up at any point, Nick Foles is more than capable of running this team because he's got all the tools. He's like 6'5", big arm, the kid can play. He's got a lot of hype with him. Whatever you hear Nick Foles, you hear, oh, he broke all these records back in California in high school, all Drew Brees' records, give him a chance. You know, usually the backup quarterback from Michigan State sees some time in the first couple of games because usually those are blowouts. But we open the year at Cal this year. That's going to be a tough game, and Cal's going to be nationally ranked. Then the next couple of games, those might be kind of, you know, runaway wins. That's where Nick Foles can get a shot as, you know, spelling Brian Hoyer, give him a rest. So we'll see what Nick Foles can do in game two or three next year. Connor Dixon seems like he's he's going to have a position switch. Yeah, I mean, he's too athletic to play quarterback, especially if you look at the fact that he probably is not going to beat out Nick Foles in the three years that Nick still has left here. So Connor Dixon is probably going to make a position change. He's going to be a wide receiver. That's what it looks like as of now. Your thoughts, 517-432-3893. Our email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. You say football talk already? And we know there's two seasons in college football season and waiting for football season <laughs> so that, that's the reason um trevor anderson what, what what do you think his impact will be at defensive end immediate and yeah. substantial substantial um there's a a small part that people might not realize and that is his off the field character i had a chance to you know interview him it was a big interview session and there are a lot of guys on the team that don't give good interviews we can say it they don't know how to talk to the media they're shy trevor anderson was the real second realest interview. Javon Ringer's a real guy, and he gives straight interviews. Trevor Anderson was cracking jokes, talking about going to Roland Martin's house and eating him out of his house and eating all his food. And he's a great guy, and the chemistry he's developing with these teammates, and to go along with what he's putting on the field, he will be an impact player on this team. And I'm not going to say he'll make us forget about St. D because you know him and Irvin Baldwin had great seasons, but he's going to have a really good career here at Michigan State. That's a good topic to talk about. Who are the guys? They're the best interviews at Michigan State. Like, if you think about basketball, one of my favorite guys to interview is Drew Namick. He always gives you a great interview. Perhaps because he's smarter than all of us combined <laughs> right. in this room. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting my Ph.D. in finance. It's like, how's that working out? <laughs> so, uh, on that topic, who, who, uh, 
the best and the worst interview that you've had to get give with a student a student athlete here? Javon has to be the best because when you ask him a question, you see him really sit down. Let me think about that. Um, he'll give an honest answer, even if it makes him look bad. He'll go, well, you know, I did play horrible, but you know, I'm glad Jay got five touchdowns today. But and the, you know, the worst, and this is no knock on him, but uh, Nehemiah Warwick was the, the worst interview I ever had. <laughs> Is it something about the Florida boys? I don't know, man. It might have been the golds in his mouth preventing him from speaking English. Did but. he inherit the Carrie Reed syndrome? Man, what are you saying? I'm like, what? Is that a complete sentence or are you just mumbling stuff? I, I didn't get it. It was a horrible interview. But yeah, Drew Namick, he's, he's a great interview. I actually just saw him over at the Academic Gala tonight. They're honoring uh, student-athletes with like a 3-2 or above. I'm pretty sure he's in that category. You know, Namick's just in there just spitting all type of financial knowledge, t- telling coaches how to invest in their 401ks. <laughs> but Namick, he's going to go play overseas, he says. Uh, he's already meeting with agents, trying to find a prospective agent. I think he said Greece. Is it Greece or France? Somewhere over there. You know, somewhere in Europe. <laughs> He'll be balling. But so he won't be making a run at Wall Street yet. Right. But he'll just bankroll over there tax free money and then come to the United States and invest it. And more and, money. And be retired before he, any of us are up and going. Man. But will Hoyer, as you were talking about earlier, will he have a smaller margin for error, shorter leash this season? Yes. Um I think the thing with Hoyer last year is that he got a pass on some of the picks he threw because well, it's his first year in the system. He has to get acclimated. We kind of noticed that he had a tendency to lock in on his receivers a lot. Like, if Devin's not open, I'm going to try to throw it there anyway. But, you know, this year, because the second year of the program, the expectations are a little higher, you need your quarterback to make a bigger jump between the first year and the second year. So he's definitely going to have a shorter leash. You know, I don't agree with that. I think, I think they'll give Brian Hoyer the whole year. I think that he's had the most snaps. He's gelled with the whole offensive line with everybody. And I think if you put a backup in in week four, week five, you're just basically giving the season away. You're giving up on the season. You're letting your backup quarterback get some reps for next year. So I think we'll stick with Hoyer because he's got us this far. He got us to a bowl game. I think we'll let him uh, get to a, get us to another bowl game. I was going to say I agree with Jamal completely because a lot of the passes that he threw last year, he had exceptional wide receivers such as Devin Thomas who made his passes look good when they probably would have gone incomplete had they been to another receiver. And um, So I just think like this year if he slips up, they want success this year and they're not going to waste time if he's not having good games or whatever. I don't know if you can pull the string on Hoyer so quick though. He had some games where he threw just pro passes. He got us to the bowl game. Like, like you his, said, that, his that performance against Penn State. Yep. Throwing off a of one foot to an, falling out of bounds. You know, throwing a dime in the corner of the end zone. Yep. The Iowa and the Purdue game. Even though we lost the Iowa game, he got us in the position to get mm-hmm. to overtime and everything like that. So, there's a big difference between Brian Hoyer, who has time in the pocket to throw and make good passes, and then when he doesn't have time, he overthrows. You know, inaccurate passes. He might have some great receivers downfield, but he needs to have time to get it, get the ball to him. Uh, we had a lot of injuries on the offensive line last year. We were shuffling guys around, and so there's a lot of guys that got through the line and didn't give Brian Hoyer time to throw. So he needs time to throw. If you give him time to throw, we can go as far as you want. I think that's a cop-out because that goes for any quarterback, quarterback. right? If you give any quarterback. Joey Harrington was a good <laughs> quarterback when he had time to throw. So I think that while you're right, Brian Hoyer has the tools, he has the mind, he knows the offense. He is more than capable of taking a bigger step up this year, and he should. There's no doubt that he should. Got, he should. 
have a better year. But I think that I don't want to say Michigan State can't afford to go six and six this year because we will take that. But you need to see progress in your second year of a program, especially with the type of guys that D'Antonio's already brought in. So I think you really, you know, if they get to that fifth game and Hoyer really is not doing much, I'm not saying bench him completely, but play Nick Foles for a couple series just to see what you get out of him. So we know we pay attention to the school down the road in Michigan. On a whole, who's having a better spring? Whose program is in better shape heading into summer camp? I think it's got to be Michigan State's. And, you know, it does sound, you know, like we're homers to say that. But if you look at the fact that Michigan has to rebuild years of running a pro-style offense, they've been doing that for years. Now they go to a spread option when they didn't have the players to do it. You know, now they've got young guys trying to do things they don't know how to do. People trying to learn how to play a new defensive scheme, and none of them are in shape yet. So I think as of right now, Mark D'Antonio's got us, I want to say almost in game shape from what I've seen in the guys. They look great. They're ready to play now. And in Michigan, it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding the program still. And I think I think Michigan is a lot younger than Michigan State. We have a lot of, you know, key fifth-year senior guys. We have guys who are going to lead the team, and they're clear-cut. You know, Javon Ringer, Justin Kershaw, Otis Wiley. And then in Michigan, they've, they've got so many young players, and they're installing a new offense. And Rich Rodriguez has some distractions, still dealing with the West Virginia case and all that settlements. Um, they were wanting Terrell Pryor to come in at quarterback, and now they have to deal without him. So they have to gel another new quarterback in the system. So yeah, any anytime Michigan says that their backup walk on quarterback that has a shot at starting is a good thing, you're full of it. Yeah. Give yeah. give me a break. Your yeah. thoughts though, five one seven, four three two, thirty eight, ninety three. The spring game is Saturday, one thirty PM, Spartan Stadium. Admission is complimentary. So I don't you know, I just want to you know make sure people are aware of that. Yeah. And uh, last year we had about 25,000 people show up for that. And uh, then after the spring game, you can come listen to Jamal and I on the radio when we do the Michigan-Michigan State baseball game. First pitch, 405 over there at Coach Field. So exciting stuff going on this weekend. Um, did you guys see this, that this Michigan State, former Michigan State student, is on Br- Brett Michaels' Rock of Love too? No. Wow. Who? I'm not going to say names. I don't want to get in trouble here. She's older though. She look. I mean, from this shot, this picture here. Um, let me turn the laptop here. And from this picture, she looks, you know, thirty-five, forty. No, I'm not. I'm not sure, but uh, Michigan State. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Really? I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's. Uh, She's the one that won last night. Oh, uh, well, she she did. <laughs> yep, she won. Wow, the rock of love connoisseur. I'm a reality TV nut. Another. I'm a sucker for another it. notch in the belt for Pablo. I yeah. just I, I will not lie, folks. I was just just browsing the internet as I do during the show, just to you know, funny news, certain things, and I you know went to the LSJ website. And, Former Michigan State student on Rock of Love too. <laughs> Won't even. I'm not even gonna give my synopsis of uh, that career move. <laughs> I, just gonna giggle and uh, watch uh, VH1 perhaps and see. Uh, oh boy, well, which Brigitte? You're a female. Oh, I'm not. And I'm not trying to <clears throat> genderize this or this situation here, but we need your perspective. If you were to go on a reality show, <laughs> w- would you go on Rock of Love 2 with oh, Brett wait, Michaels? Just so I know that's the one with or, the former rock star. Yep, or would Poison. you go on Flavor of Love with Flavor Flav? Oh, man. 
You have to go on either one. Rock of Love 2 with Brett Michaels or Flavor of Love 4. I mean, I, I, mean I don't even think I could take Flavor of Love seriously. I mean, <laughs> I'd probably have to pick Rock of Love, but I wouldn't go on either. But Is there any reality show that you want to be on? I mean... Growing up, is it I, like you wanted to be on The Real World? I mean, I... When I was younger, I was like, oh, I think it'd be fun to be the bachelorette on The Bachelor, but not the one that's like, the guy picks the girls when the girl picks the guys. Oh, so you can just sift through? You know, just get like a little perception what, line, not you, what, not you. We're going to stick know. on this for a second. What are the top three qualities, if you're on that show, what are you looking for? Brigitte, oh, this is like a dating game. Are, isn't this what? a sports rap? That's what I thought. <laughs> we, you know what? I've been noticing a trend in sports talk. People don't want to hear X's and O's all the time. They like they like real life sometimes. Just you know, you just switch it up for a couple minutes and you know, in the middle of the show. But I love it. Rock <laughs> of Love to Brigitte coming to Rock of Love near you. Yeah, you probably won't be seeing that. Just <laughs> <laughs> be in law school. Well, it's all your head too, so it's gonna be. A you know, we'll we'll now. leave it at that. I just. I just thought it'd be it was interesting, so, uh, interesting point to bring up. You know, we, we're talking about what you know, former MSU student athletes. You know, former MSU student. Yeah. Last week it was the the riot you could add to your resume. Uh, this week it's Rock of Love <laughs> Two that you could add to your resume. Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Another achievement of Michigan State. Thank you. Rock of Love. I was thinking the same thing. What are we known <laughs> for? What are you guys known for? Riots Going on and reality TV, <laughs> starting you, riots. You had one good All basketball good. season. You guys have riots every year. We got James Kahn. <laughs> That's who we have. Hey, Michigan. Magic Michigan has James Earl Jones. Yeah, so I guess they we're one up already. <laughs> Can't <laughs> argue with James of, Earl Jones. The voice of Darth Vader. <laughs> but uh, men's basketball, speaking of... Um, and Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> Preseason polls are ready for men's basketball. One poll has us at number two in the nation, while another, ESPN's Andy Katz, has us at 22. Where do you have Michigan State's current team, Sands, Drew Namick, Drew Neitzel, and the addition of Jermont Green, Corey Lucius, and uh, Delvon Microfresher Surgery Rope? Right in the middle at 15. I think that's where they deserve to be because they can go up or down from there. If you're a two and you lose a game in, say, October, November, then everyone's going to drop you to 15 anyway and say, well, you didn't belong there in the first place. If they put them at 22, that's kind of like, I don't know. That's a, it's, a, it's hard to get from 22 to the top 10. Mm-hmm. So I say put them at 15, that's where they belong. I believe Indiana started in that area last year, and they kind of worked their way into the top 10. So 15 is perfect considering that this team, next year's team is kind of unproven. So I would agree. I, I'd say... Didn't we start out about 12 this year in the no. preseason? No, it was like six. six. Oh, was it six? Yeah. Oh, wow. We should have been it's 12. way off. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we start at 15, and Tom Izzo usually has a uh, nice, challenging non-conference schedule. If we roll through that, if we get some big wins, we'll be in the top 10, and we'll deserve to be. So if we get those big wins in non-conference, you know, Big Ten ACC Challenge, you got some Texas in the Spartan Clash. I'll give, so, give you one game. At the Breslin against the defending national champions. Kansas comes to the Breslin next year. Yeah, how's that working out for Michigan State? Not too good. It's big time. I would yeah. like to. See, I'm I mean, interested Kansas, in seeing. I'm not worried about Kansas. Brandon Rush is going to be gone. Sean Collins might be gone. You know, Chalmers might be. Chalmers is a first round pick. Yeah. If is, if if. Yeah. Is it about time for uh, maybe Duke or UNC to pay a visit to the Breslin for but, the Big Ten ACC too. challenge? Hope that. I mean, I thought, big time. I thought last year was going to be our year with UNC or Duke, but. <laughs> I mean, it's coming. We got to face. One I know of those we're elite playing ACC in a teams. Thanksgiving tournament yeah. in Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. which is going to feature Gonzaga and Tennessee, among other teams that I've forgotten. Right, Oklahoma State. 
um, possibly Memphis. The Memphis was in it, had a draw, and may come back. But you're right. Mid, like you mentioned, Michigan State's non-conference schedule is going to be amazing. That's why I think 15 is perfect because if we can get through that. Yep. Then we definitely we, we're the definitely 10, deserve it. You know, but and it is the summertime, so it, you know it's time for players to work on their games. Which player? You know, minus the incoming freshmen and the graduated seniors, which player has the most work to do this summer? That's a tough question because the all the freshmen, or last year's freshmen, I guess you can't call them freshmen anymore, you know, Kalen Lucas, Darrell Summers, Chris Allen, they, they have room to improve. But the player I'm really looking forward to, you know, hoping that they improve is Travis Walton. Uh, next year, Travis has a 50-50 chance at a starting spot. The way Kalen finished the year starting and Travis on the bench, it was great. Um, it worked well for the team. But last offseason, Travis had wrist, is- wrist issues. He couldn't really work on his offensive game, and his offensive game kind of struggled for the whole season. This offseason, he's healthy, and he has a chance to really you know, work on his jump shot and his moves. And if he can provide scoring off the bench from the guard position, I think that could be a, a bigger lift than Michigan State can anticipate. You guys might agree or not agree with, but I think Goran Sutan has a lot of improvements still left to do. He's already a great player, but he can use this summer and get that much better, and that'd be such a lift for this team once the season starts next year. If he can be even better than he's already been. He's shown glimpses of it. He hasn't put it consistently together. But if he does, you know, the sky's the limit for us. Gray's coming back, correct? Yeah. I, I would have to go with him because, <clears throat> excuse me, I think you need another big man down low to give you point production off the bench um, just to assist with Sutan. need another big man to have a strong presence down low. But the problem with that is he went under the knife. Yeah, torn meniscus. Queese uh, is up and walking, though. Was, was, saw him the other day. We'll say that. Saw Queese the other day. He's doing well. Talk to him. He's, 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 you know, he's going to be back by June. Right. But here's the one thing. It's people... Don't forget, Delvon Rowe had micro-fracture surgery. Some athletes never recover from that. And this is a high schooler. I'm not sure what type of medical care he's getting at a, at a primary physician in Ohio. You know, That's not for me to speak on, but he's not at an NBA facility where he's getting the best doctors in the United States tending to him and the best physical therapist tending to him. So here's a kid that just had micro-fracture surgery, and that's ended some careers. See Penny Hardaway. Um... Let's not get the hopes too high on Delvon Rowe. Great player, but he might need a year to just... It's one year to get used to the Big Ten as a freshman. It's one year to get used to it and break through probably the worst injury he's had in his career. Mm-hmm. So, easy on Delvon Rowe. Just like we said, be easy on the team coming in because they were still learning to play Knights or Reliant. Listen to us here. No, <laughs> We know what we're talking we're, about. We're trying. We're trying a little bit. So don't don't count on being in the final four. Relax. Now next year is a year. Remember, we're all circling that on the calendar. Two thousand nine Detroit Final Four. Mm-hmm. Ideally, that would be that'd be live. That'd be nuts. That'd be very live. And who's uh who's the go to scorer next year? Let's just throw that out there. Is it Kale Lucas? Pat the head, high screen. Let's go. Yep. I mean, uh, I want to see them run more off the ball plays for Kalen because so far in the season it'll be Kalen with the ball in his hands with 10 seconds on the shot clock. And let's see what he can do. He Sometimes he's great, sometimes he's you know not so great. But like like I've said to you before, I really want Raymar Morgan to be the go-to guy next year. That would be huge for this team to have a guy who can do it all and you know no one can stop him if he's really on his game. So I want Raymar to be the go-to guy next year. But for now, 
I will put it in Kalen Lucas' hands and say it's going to be Kalen Lucas' team next year. Like we said before, Raymar, his college play is kind of parallel to his high school play when he was a freshman, sophomore in high school. Kind of passive, bright spots, stretches where he was brilliant. And he said that in his junior and senior seasons, he really came alive in high school where he just really started. We've seen it, just, just kind of big, big brother kids. Like, he doesn't even belong out there with them. And I think that's what we'll see this upcoming year. And, and if he has a good year, I think he's gone. But um, two years, perhaps. Um, but definitely, maybe it's just this the psyche of, you know, deferring to Nigel, deferring to older guys, and not assuming that responsibility and leadership. But he'll be fine. Um, I'll give you a dark horse there. Chris Allen had a, an amazing last game against Memphis, and he had a, a pretty strong tournament, NCAA tournament. And I think... I mean, he's one of the best outside shooters on the team. Um, him Nick, and Darrell Summers can shoot the three as well as anybody. So next I, year think I think he becomes the best. Chris not, Allen, yep, absolutely. Chris Allen draining those threes from outside. I think he's a great shooter, and I think he's going to put in 15 a game. Well, speaking of games, when you're young, you play games. You, you know, you're silly when you're young, right? How about this report? I had to bring this up. Let's be careful now. Forget about passing notes to the Associated Press. I'll read it for you. Forget about passing notes in study hall. Some teens are now using their cell phones to flirt and send nude pictures of themselves. What? So, <laughs> so how about that? I'm I'm teaching fifth hour math. Grab some cell phone and see some just junk on a screen. Well, how about that? Wow. If I'm a parent, I, I don't even want to be a parent now. You see the problems facing these kids today? Pay attention to the phone bills. What are these? What are these seventeen dollars in picture messaging charges? <laughs> yeah. You might want to look into that. Ti said. Uh, by that I mean Tom Izzo. Uh, he said that text messaging is destroying the country. It's destroying the way people communicate, and just and the fact that you know you're sitting in class and maybe it's more convenient to do it on the phone. But like I said, how much that might be ten cents or more, depending on what your plan is. And like you said, now the parents open up the bills and go, why are there you know, 419 multimedia messages on your phone? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just scared to just grow up and if I have kids one day, like, what they're going to be doing. I don't even want to know. It's like you talk about, you know, decades past, what was socially acceptable. It's kind of frightening. Mm. But de- I'm definitely going to be watching the cell phone bill. <laughs> wow, imagine that. Wow, that's how do you even deal with that? It's just incredible, you know. Certain things like that just make you scratch your head. Like, what <laughs> right. is speechless? Like, is going on? Don't what, let what your is, kids have a picture phone, I guess. Yeah, what does the teacher say? You know. Notice I don't have a picture phone. Yeah. Yeah. This is a PG phone right here. <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts: five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Contrary to a public belief, this is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Um, now it's time for hockey. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh joy! Enjoy, enjoy your four minutes, folks. <laughs> but oh. no, but no, the Red Wings are up two zero on the Nashville Predators. You got to give me credit for knowing who we're playing and the series score, and that we play in. We've been playing for three minutes now. Let me check the scoreboard. We are scoreless, I believe. Let me update the webpage. Well, the Red Wings have been up 2-0 in the first round before. They Three years ago, they were up 2-0 on the LA Kings. and Calgary. They went And against Calgary, too. They were up 2-0. They went, changed sites, and um, LA won the next four mm-hmm. and beat 
the Red Wings in six in the first round. And then the Cal- Calgary, I think, did the same thing. Calgary won the next two. I think the yeah. Red Wings won that series in six. So it's interesting to see now they move back to Nashville, and uh, we'll see if Nashville can get that spark and get the series, you know, make it interesting, make it 2-1, or if the Red Wings take a commanding 3-0 lead. So the Red Wings, it's either you take it all or they bust in the first round. For those that don't know, this sounds exactly like the Detroit Pistons. Like, they will play up to their level of competition. If they're playing one of the elite teams, they will focus. The Red Wings will fly. They will do everything right. But if they're playing some eighth seed that got lucky to be in the playoffs, and they're like, man, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. Next thing you know, they're down 3-2 mm-hmm. when they're up 2 nothing. So the Red Wings are a team more so than any I've, I've seen in the last 8 to 10 years that plays to the level of competition and has you know, the best chance of blowing it. You know, they're, they're either great or they're really, really bad. So. Well, you have a chance of blowing it anytime if you have uh, Dominic Hajik in net because uh, he's <laughs> – I'm not the biggest fan and he's not the greatest goalie. He's he's hot and cold. You know what? The Detroit Red Wings goalies, if they didn't have one of the best defenses in front of them, I don't know how well, well they would do. Wait, both of these guys have won Stanley Cups, though. Both they of them. They have. And they, I they mean, have. what's his name? Dominic Hoshik is one of you, isn't you know, he's the best, yep, best goaltender. He's won MVP awards. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's been to at least two Stanley Cup finals because he lost with Buffalo. Yeah, and Chris yeah. Osgood won his with Detroit. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying they're horrible. I mean, no, they, they get the job done. They stop their 20 shots a game, but the defense, you know, stop blocks, shots. They do everything. It's to credit to the Red Wings. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, Really, never thought I'd hear that coming from a guy with the blues hat. On. On <laughs> exactly, that that's the blues coming out. You know, give him credit. So, I mean, we can we can depend on Pavel for an unbiased opinion here because he's like St. Louis. But uh, what's the Red Wings' chance of winning this thing? I mean, they're up 2-0. winning the, the Stanley Cup. The Western Conference is tough. You got the San Jose Sharks, who I think might make a run, but they might get knocked down in the first round. It's so competitive now in hockey. Uh, teams are just. So much more even, and the teams are, and so anyone can come out. Uh, Colorado Avalanche are on fire right now. I think Calgary or San Jose, Anaheim Mighty Ducks are down two zero. They're defending national the Stanley Cup champions. So Goldberg, Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they're the Anaheim Ducks. Now. Right, they're no longer but the Mighty Ducks. They're down two zero going to Dallas. Dallas took two home games from Anaheim. It's, see, there's something about that, and I got to ask all all of you here: Does it make any sense? For the Detroit Red Wings to be in the Western Conference and have to go on the road to play teams like Los Angeles, San Jose, Anaheim, Colorado, Phoenix, Denver, all these people way, way out there, you know, when they should be in the same conference as the Bostons, the New Yorks, the Carolinas. Just like Michigan is referred to as the Midwest. I mean, it's fairly east and it's north too it's, yeah. so I, I don't wait, know wait what's St. Louis the, the south St. Louis is the gateway to the west it's in the <laughs> dead straight in the midwest uh, here we go St. Louis history 101 <laughs> right <laughs> right Jeez. the gateway to the, the, the arch the gateway to the west <laughs> thanks for enlightening lightening us here <laughs> but um, you know why are we in the west you know why because that's hockey for you. <laughs> that's hockey. Oh, man. It's a reason, it's, it's a reason, it's on, it's a reason it's on Versus. It's on its way to HBO soon. Let's get the bat out and bash it. You know. I explained it the other week, though. You did. You go you to know, certain places. You look at the demographic of kids that grow up playing hockey. Perhaps you grow up playing a sport, and in turn, you like it. You like watching it on TV. It's a byproduct of being involved in that sport. I think it's all about money in the sense that you're talking about kids growing up. How you got to have money to play hockey. How much does it cost to go out and buy, you know, not even buy, just find a ball. You don't even have to have a hoop. Just get a milk crate. People who grew up playing with hampers. They'll take a basket, cut the bottom out. You know the drill. 
I mean, oh, yeah. it, that's all it takes. Baseball, you need a ball and a stick. You know, you get a stick and a tennis ball, and you play street hockey anywhere, street anytime. Street hockey? Did you say tennis ball? <laughs> I'm <laughs> saying, but if, ball, yeah. if you want to play organized basketball, say you want to be in a league, most leagues will, you know, give you the, a uniform. All you need is gym shoes and shorts, I guess. Just gym shoes and show up. If you want to play organized hockey, you got to have your own equipment. So I'm talking about pads, skates, sticks, helmets. Like that's that's some dope. I so. played ice hockey in high school. Yeah. Some school, not gonna lie, it's some expensive. Right. right. And and therefore here comes my school of thought that because the a small percentage of Americans can afford the upkeep and you know, playing hockey regularly in competitive leagues, um, if that's where hypothetically the interest group comes from, it's gonna be a smaller interest group. And as opposed to, like you said, basketball, which is you know universally accepted, uh, you know amongst men and, w- and women, you know we see it's popular between genders yep. as well. So those two econ classes are paying off, huh? Yeah, all day. <laughs> right, <laughs> econ. Yeah. Just kicking crazy economic words tonight, like <laughs> demographics and uh, the you know opportunity, you know, opportunity cost, you know, <laughs> going to to play hockey. But five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number. The email address wdbmsports at gmail dot com. So yeah, you heard it. That's why there's not a lot of hockey fans because people it's I regional. think people I think gain their appreciation for sport out of experience with that sport. I have a greater appreciation for golf after having played golf. You know, I appreciate football because I played football. I understand the game. I can see what goes on and how plays develop and how a receiver didn't make the right cut. Not saying I could have made the right cut, but, you know, you have a greater appreciation when you've been there, not perhaps at the same level, but you know, people people can say, you know, Drew Neitzel can't beat anyone off the dribble. Having played against Drew Neitzel at Michigan State here in the summers, I can say he will take people off the dribble. And Isaiah Dalton, same thing. Played against him in the summer league, the Lansing Capital City Summer League. He can he can score. And now there is a guy that I want to say, look out. He did a lot of good things down the stretch. He didn't get a lot of PT. I think that changes. So keep your eye on Isaiah Dahlman to make an impact. Don't look for him to transfer. No, 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 no. Look for Zeke to make an impact next year for the Hoop Squad. But Red Wings up 2-0. Who are you looking to? uh, Who are your favorites right now, Eastern Western Conference? Hockey. We'll give hockey another minute or two here. I I don't know. I think it's going to be the San Jose Sharks. I think they're... Really strong. I think they're one of the best teams on the road. They finished the the year in their last twenty games, eighteen and two. So they're on fire, and they're not down two one in the series, but they're gonna pick it right back up. They've got one of the best goaltenders in Nabokov, and I think they're gonna play the Pittsburgh Penguins in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals because the Penguins are rolling. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and they got one of the hottest goaltenders. Until they also. play the Devils, who have one of the most established goaltenders the of all down time. Two one. Still gonna win. It's the Rangers. When's the last time New York won anything in any sport? Well, I guess they just won the Super Bowl. But until then, when's the last time New York won anything? The Rangers won the Stanley Cup in '94. This last case time. in point. How well, how long was that? Right. Fourteen. Years. So I, I'll take you know the Ducks in the West, and I like the Devils in the East. You think the D- Ducks will come back from 2 Yes. We'll see. If I could name all the teams in the NHL playoffs, then I would kick some knowledge. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna attempt to. 
<laughs> you turn on ESPN sometimes, you get lucky. You catch a few. Yeah, things. I might catch it. I might catch a highlight. Right. right. You know what? You know what happened to NHL tonight with Barry Melrose? You know, Man. times are changing. Times are changing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just explained why. You know, the select demographic that likes hockey, and it doesn't include Dan Duggar. <laughs> but I apologize. But I do like women's basketball. And uh, as we've seen here, um, average attendance women's basketball draws more than hockey. But Kalisha Keen and Alyssa DeHaan were named co-MVPs or MOPs, whatever. Um, you agree with that? Do you see Keen with her fire-up shots at any time and poor shooting percentage from the tray? I think it's... Is it a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately <laughs> award? Because, you know, she wasn't that consistent all year. She had it's, a nice stretch at the end of the year. It's not necessarily her offensive game. Just like with Alyssa, you know, you're getting rebounds and block shots. What she gives you offensively is a bonus. Kalisha Keene is the same way. She has great perimeter defense, and she plays the passing lanes extraordinarily well. She's one of the quicker players on the team. So I think it was a combination of her defense and her, you know, her great tournament run that got her on the, you know, WNIT all-tournament team or whatever. So... I think that kind of, like you said, got her the co-MVP. But if you really look at the team, other than Alyssa DeHaan, could you name me somebody that you think would be deserving of this award other than Kalisha Keene? So. Courtney Davidson. No. Mm. <laughs> no. Mm. I, I think she had a great WNIT. Oh. Are we thinking That's about the same what, Courtney Davidson? Is this Courtney Davidson that plays for MSU? Right. Number 13. Number 13. I think as a senior, she had, you know, something went off in her head that goes, I've only got five more games here, or maybe something like that, where she goes, I've only got a number of games to play, and I'm done. And she tried. But she has defensive limitations, and if her shot's not falling, she can try to get to the basket. But it seemed like she settled for threes a lot. But I, she did hustle when she was out there. I'll give her that. you know. So Let's give the MVP to a girl who started two games, played 20 minutes a game, averaged seven points a game, um, shot 29% from three and 32% from the field. That that's that's Pavel's MVP right there. <laughs> it's Pavel's MVP. And one. let's not forget the one and a half boards a game. One and a half. That's a I, very I'm not important trying to, I ain't trying to hate, bro. But Alyssa DeHaan, I think she should have run it outright. 14 points a game, uh, seven over seven boards a game, over four blocks a game. She was just sick. If she was going to share with someone not named Kalisha Keene, I just thought... Brittany Thomas averaged, she had to have at least average as a freshman, 36, 38 minutes a game. In the tournament, I think every game she played, all 40 minutes. Time out. Here's one for you. Here's solely the reason why. Alyssa DeHaan has a better three-point percentage than Kalisha <laughs> Keene, and she is like a foot taller than her. <laughs> DeHaan shot 30% from the tray, and Kalisha Keene shot... 28% from the tray. So that reason alone, <laughs> just list on, she's going to be a great player. Yeah, she she's is. just going to have like a thousand career blocks or something <laughs> sick. She keeps breaking her own records for blocks in the season. Like, didn't she break it this year? And get 150. It? Yep, and next year she's going to get like 155. She's going to keep going. 150 on the season, and uh, yeah, the next closest on the team, uh, 16 by Lauren H. <laughs> and she had like five in the last game, so... The, it's perhaps, a little bit inflated. Perhaps inflated. I'm looking forward to Mia Johnson coming back. Mia? She had, she had, she show, had Mia. Sh- can we call her Maya? Or who are you, the Breslin announcer that calls her Mia? Well, yeah, yeah. Maya Johnson? And he, and he should know more than anybody else. I'm Now, like you are with hockey, I'm giving myself, giving myself away as to how much I pay attention to the Michigan State women's basketball team. Unfortunately, the WNIT was as much coverage as I got all season. But 
you know, yes. Perhaps some of Maya. some of it comes out of personal interest. Some of it comes out of um, that's my job, and yeah. I have to go do it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I can't lie. But uh, yeah, she's coming. You know, she said her knee's feeling better, so next year she's gonna be back stronger, faster. And she'll be a better. Maya's got that swagger in her. Yeah. She got the confidence. She got that killer instinct. She'll yeah. be fine. Um, NBA. No, we're not gonna change the age minimum as we thought last week. Uh, it's gonna be nineteen. Uh, or a year removed from high school. Uh, but the expected mass exodus of underclassmen is underway. Uh, Michael Beasley uh, today. Um, Eric Gordon a week ago. Um, any surprise names you see entering the NBA draft? The young point guard from Arizona, Bayless. Um, Why? The kid's a top ten pick. I mean, just because you're a top ten pick, does that mean... I, I don't know, it's tough to you say. Go, just, you go on and get the escrow. I, I'll give you this right now. Eric Gordon is going to be a top ten pick. But do I, do I think he'll be a successful NBA player? No. So it's like you can jump and get paid. They'll give you your guaranteed rookie contract. But after that, what happens? You know, I'm pretty sure you know certain people will leave thinking they're going to be a lottery pick that they're not. So it's, would you rather leave, get paid, and get developed by NBA coaches, stay in college, have to deal with the the garbage of going to class, staying academically eligible, who's the coach and being of, developed by Tom Crean's staff? Who's and, the coach of the University of Arizona? I'm, I'll keep using Bayless. As an example, isn't it still Lou Olson? Lou Olson will mm-hmm. return. Okay, one of the best coaches of all time. I would rather when he's s- not uh, taking leave of absences from this team <laughs> to deal with his crummy divorce. You're right. You're right. I would. I would rather stay and learn another year from a proven successful coach and go to the league, get paid, and play for a lottery team and a coach like say, I don't know, Atlanta's Mike Woodson, who doesn't know, you know, a set play from chucking and running gun. So. I, I think there's certain things you have to weigh in, but you're right. These kids now, they say, hey, if I can get paid, I'm going to get paid. Who can blame them? You know? We all knew that Brooke, Brooke Lopez was going to go pro, but Robin Lopez following him? I, is he even going to be a first-round pick? Robin Lopez? He's not going to be in the top he'll be in the, he'll be in the first round. He'll be in the first Se- round. Sure, athletic seven-footers don't grow on trees. <sighs> yeah. I was just, athletic I was just seven-footers are oxymorons. Another surprise was... Uh, Dwight Howard? 6'10". <laughs> KG is 6'11", so you see what I'm talking about. Go ahead, my bad. I was surprised about Joel Alexander from West Virginia. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he had a great tournament and everything, but uh, he could still use another year or two. And But you never know how good he'll be in those years, obviously. Um, Our number quickly, though, 517-432-3893. Email address wdbmsports at gmail.com. I was surprised that Kevin Love hasn't. I thought I thought he was. He's going gone. to the draft. He's gone, according to LA Times today. He is. To that, he's declared. Right. Today he's out. He's today, oh, today, today, today he declared. Yes. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm waiting on the cats from Memphis, like specifically Christopher, Chris Douglas, you know, Roberts, Chris Douglas Roberts, Derek Rhodes. You know Rose is gone. Rose is definitely gone. But uh, CDR, he's going to sign. sign with Arn Tellum. Right. CDR is Power the one agent. who needs to get out and go because. You know, he can't repeat what he did last year. Red Wings Predators score update 0-0 with 14.51 to go in the first Uh-oh. period. Three shots on goals for each squad. Mm, it's a defensive uh, slugfest, obviously. Thank you, box score. Right. Hey, I'm showing love. You feel me? Right. Very, nice. It's, Very nice. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of players that are still thinking. Obviously, specifically the Memphis players are still thinking. Kansas the has Kansas, players that are Chalmers, still thinking. Collins. But, you know, I'm surprised that these seniors who are going to be in the draft aren't going to get shown the love they deserve. For instance, Jamar Butler, the point guard at Ohio State, they're talking about he's going to be a second-round pick if he's drafted at all, and the guy can play offense as well as you know limit the turnovers and run the deep, you know run run his team. So I think the the seniors and the upperclassmen need to get shown more love than these freshmen with the upsides. 
Oh yeah, and it seems like GMs in the NBA appreciate much more mature players. Ah, you Tayshon Prince. Yeah. Oh yeah, Tayshon, great, great player. But uh, what about JJ Hickson? We saw JJ Hickson firsthand NC here State. when he came to the Breslin with NC State, and we just hung NC State by like thirty. He didn't impress me at all. No. Yeah, but you know, some say he's a first round lock, and he's declared. And someone had to tell me that he was a. A freshman superstar or a highly touted recruit because I, A, I never heard of him. And then when I saw him play, I thought you know, he's the average big guy. He didn't show me anything special. Be- between he and Trent Playstead, we saw Trent Playstead with B- BYU when we got that tough fought win out there in Salt Lake. Uh, better upside getting drafted. Trent, the kid from BI, he can play. I mean, I'm, I know JJ can play, but Trent at least showed consistently <laughs> that he can put up those numbers and play against the best. He played us pretty tough, so. Yeah, he's a pretty tough guy in post, so yeah, I'd say definitely a strong guy. He's as strong as anybody. He can definitely get a lot better, and when he's fully developed, he can really stay with those guys in the NBA. Is Tyler Hansrow going to be another classic case of the great white college player? I'm going to put race on this one. The great white college player that's not going to come out to squat in the NBA? I've, I've had this argument a lot. You know, he's just going to be Christian Leitner, Keith Van Horn, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing that Tyler Hansborough has that most of these guys didn't have, he works harder than everybody. Black, white, Asian, whatever. Tyler Hansborough will outwork his opponent, which is why you see him going to the line 15 times a game. It's not because he's great. It's because he's really, really, really working the glass, pounding inside. So if he can get to the league and keep that intensity, the reason they call him Psycho T, then I, I give him a shot at being solid. He's not going to be great. He'll be solid. What is he, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, though? I think he's 6'9", on a good day, you know? But, hey, if it worked for Ben Wallace, it can work for him, too, right? So you're poor man's white Ben Wallace? I, that's really, really poor, you know? So Broke. <laughs> the welfare version of Big Ben. Right, right. Is, uh, is uh, Tyler, Tyler Hansbro, North Carolina. Our number, 517-432-3893. Our email address, wdbmsports at gmail. Dot com. Um, who is your MVP of the NBA? Um, is it Kobe, Chris Paul, or someone else? I'll say it's Chris Paul. It's got to be he, he drops dimes. He gets 20 a game. Averages like 20, 12 assists, 3, 4 rebounds, a few steals. This kid is the package, especially if Nolans wins the West. They are they have a position to be the number one seed in the Western Conference. And as much as people say Dallas this, Lakers that, San Antonio this, Phoenix that, the New Orleans Hornets, who last year was the New Orleans-Oklahoma City Hornets, are going to be probably have a good chance to be the number one seed in the West. To me, that warrants an MVP by itself because he really did it by himself. I know that David West might have had a career here, and Paige Stoyakovich remembered that he could play basketball, but... The f- basically, Chris Paul did this, you know, his himself. So New Orleans is, is a half game back in the West, behind uh, the aforementioned show. LA. Yep, yep, the Lake Show. But I think if Kobe hasn't won it by now, give it to somebody else. I, I would agree that Chris Paul would be the MVP because he makes the whole team go. I mean, he sets up David West, he sets Peja up for the open threes. You know, he drives and then dishes out to Peja. But I would ar- also argue for Kobe because without Bynum, you know, he's basically put the team on his shoulders. Without Bynum, with Gasol. Gasol and Kobe. An all-star. And Kobe's brought them, what, to the top? Are they the yeah, top, they're the number, top? One, number one, number two right now. He brought them to the top. So it, it, Kobe's taken the team in the second half, and just they've been roaring back and all the way to the top of the West. 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with Pavel on that and say Kobe's got to win it just because he's done so much for the Lakers this past season. They haven't had the best seasons a couple years ago, and just the fact that he's brought them up, even with the help of Gasol, you just got to give it to him. Chris Paul, though, jeez. The NBA sick in the All-Star game. The NBA set precedent. If they haven't given it to Kobe by now, he hasn't done anything this year different than any other year he's been in the NBA. So why give it to him now? Yeah, it's it's a tough. I mean, like you said, David West is having a career year. This guy's scoring twenty a game, mm-hmm. and and you know, just that's two twenty point scores right there. You add Peja with seventeen a game. Yeah, Tyson Ty- Chandler getting Ty- lobs. Tyson Chandler just dunking all type of stuff, but it's tough because Kobe hasn't won in what seven eight seasons. He's been in the league. Mm, maybe more. It might 10, be eleven. 10, yeah, 11. I'm he's tripping. Getting he's getting old. I'm tripping, but old. Uh, Kobe Kobe is scoring twenty nine points a game. Kobe is scoring eight more points a game than Chris Paul. Uh, then again, Chris Paul has six more assists per game, which equates to at least twelve points. Making Chris Paul has a lot more help. He's a lot more help. Paul Gasol, a 19-point scorer. So there's your your neutralizer for, for David West. Mm-hmm. Lamar Odom, a 14-point scorer. There's your neutralizer again. For Pedro. Andrew Bynum, 13. He's out. Derek Fisher, the veteran, giving him 12. Farmar gives him 10 a game. Luke Walton, when healthy, gives you 8, maybe. Yep, yeah. seven, 7 a game. Yeah. It's a toss-up. But if you pick tonight, who's your MVP? I'll say Chris Paul. So I guess you can't miss. You know, Chris Paul, Kobe, they're both great players. Co-MVP? Has yeah. it been done? That, it hasn't, but it, it might be. You know, they could. They could. Will it simply go to the winner of the West? Yes. If, no it, if Lakers win, it goes to Kobe. Hornets win, it goes to Chris Paul. Yeah, the, the Hornets have been on the top for a long time, and the Lakers have just, you know, the, through the second half of the season, have brought stormed back and all the way to the top. So the Hornets have been there. They've been cruising. You know, the All Star game, they had a couple of starters. They were at the top there. The coach was coaching the All Star team. So they've been there, and they just let it slip away from them. Lakers fifty six and twenty five two two and a half games up on Phoenix. The West is so tight in the NBA; mm-hmm. it's incredible. the The games are meaningful now. I love it. Uh, but are the Lakers the team to beat in the West? Are they going to come out of the West? Nope. And I, even, they could be a hundred percent. Every player on that team could be a hundred percent. They're still the fourth best team in that you know conference. Come playoff time. Come playoff time. I want to see what San Antonio can do. I want to see what a you know a battle tested. Shaquille O'Neal, Steve Nash. I mean, these the, the West is you know no slouch. They beat up on each other in the regular season, but all of these teams can play in the playoffs. I mean, let's see. San Antonio's won a championship. The Mavericks have been to a finals. Phoenix has always had the talent, but have never never really gotten over the hump. Obviously, the Lakers have won championships. These teams have really you know been there. They're battle tested. So I, I want to see. It's going to be a good year, but the Lakers aren't going to win it. No, I read your mind there. I think the Spurs. Uh the team to beat unless they, until they get knocked off. They're still the favorite to win it all and come out of the West, not only that. But speaking of MVP, what do you value most in the MVP balloting? You know, <laughs> making your teammates better, um, amazing numbers against good teams. Well, what is it? No, I think, and that to me, that's the bottom line, is can you make your teammates better, but how good was that player before? Because people always say, well, you know, Steve Nash won MVPs, but he was playing with Joe Johnson. He was playing with Amari Stoudemire. He had talent on that team. Michael Jordan won an MVP with Luke Longley. You know, people like Judd Bushler. Yeah, Tony Kukoc. You know, he made those people better. So I think that's the true testament of MVP. Can you make your teammates better? And I think if you talk about it that way, then Chris Paul should win it. Yep. Because David West is having a breakout year. 
you know what you get with Peja, but you know Peja needs to get his open shots, and Chris Paul's creating. So you'd go co. So Chris Paul, Kobe, KG, LeBron, KG, LeBron. As you know, even though LeBron's putting up better numbers than Kobe <laughs> right now, I believe it's the fact that the Cavs are what the four seed. You know, so you know he can put up fifty. They're still not going to win games because I guess you can't pull miracles and make that team better. But you know, I, I would give it to KG third before I gave it to LeBron. Dark horse for the MVP, KG. Yeah, definitely. You know, because you can't deny what they what he did with that Celtics team. And then quickly, um, who comes out of the East? The East seems to be shaping up nicely as well. People are sleeping on Boston and Detroit. They can sleep as much as they want. It's going to be a quiet playoff series until the Pistons and the Celtics play in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's going seven. If it doesn't, I'll be surprised. Regardless of who wins that series, if it doesn't go seven, I'll be surprised. But that's going to be. Awesome. Awesome. And everyone says it's going to happen already because you can look at the matchups. The Pistons destroyed Toronto with their bench on Sunday night. You know, and if they got to play them in the first round, that's going to be I mean, a joke. You know? Celtics and Pistons head to head this year. They've just been, you know, bashing each other. And so it's going to be an all out war. I got the Pistons out of the East. Is that your uh, NBA Finals, hypothetically? Do you think those are the two best teams in the league? The two best teams in the league right now are the Pistons and the Celtics. But if you have to have an NBA Finals, I'd like to see. The Pistons and the Spurs. I think that's a extreme possibility because of the oh, fact the that... It's a David Stern nightmare. Yeah, and exactly. we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. You know, you get two teams that play defense and aren't flashy. Nobody wants to see a rematch of something that they didn't watch the first time. So. Financially, what does the NBA want to see? Do they want to see Boston, L.A.? Definitely. Like two, the old days. Like, just like the old days, you get an MVP candidate on one coast, MVP candidate on another coast. You get 1980s rematch, two-story rivalries. They could write for days about that. That is a... That's a dream for the NBA. Either that or LeBron finally getting a ring, you know. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Um, and there it is for us tonight as well. That is the Spartan Sports Wrap for Monday, April 14th. Uh, next week will be the last show for me. Uh, it's my encore, you know. And then 8 o'clock, the Jazz Spectrum, Jeff Shop is ready to spin him. He's, he gave me the thumbs up. He's ready to roll. We will be burying the Detroit Tigers next week. Uh, uh, two and ten. That is not a good start. It can it can happen. Tigers in the World Series in 08 Yes. <laughs> Look out. Um, Cardinals have a better shot. Oh gosh. Uh, for Brigitte Troyan, Pavel Kaufman, Scout dot com, Jamal Spencer of ABC Three. I'm Dan Duggar. Ian was on the boards tonight. We appreciate that. We'll be back next week. Don't forget Saturday night, four o'clock first pitch. Michigan State baseball. Yours truly, alongside Jamal Spencer. Uh, for coverage of Michigan, Michigan State Baseball. Special thanks to Spartan Radio Network for giving us the ride. So that, this has been the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Have a great week. Go to class. <laughs> You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.